Are you muted, Houston? Oh. We were both. Or I, I was, at least. Let me try that again. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another episode of our Puget Systems podcast live Q&A show. This, uh, this week, we have Ben Nelson, our uh, tech support manager, joining us today. Um, we, got a few diff- we got a few topics that we were going to cover from, from inside and then um, some general uh, topics to talk about as well from uh, some of our social media followers. So that'll be pretty cool. Um, I, guess, um, I guess we'll just jump right into it, Ben. Um, sure. As always, I do like to do kind of the background, like who you are, what you do and stuff. Um, and then I guess we'll, we'll just jump right into uh, a few of the things that you had prepared. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for having me again. This is now my third stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name's Ben. I'm the, the technical support manager for Puget Systems. Uh, the first stream we did, we we talked just kind of like an introductory um, kind of podcast and, and, and live stream about just like what what is support? What is what? Why is support different for Puget Systems? And that was great. And, you know, we captured like the experiences that we try to provide. Uh, the second stream we did was like a deep dive into um, a lot of our articles and the public facing content that we had. And that was a lot of fun. Um, time went by very fast on that one. So yeah. uh, today kind of, I guess, combine the, the two a little bit. We'll talk about kind of trending issues that we're seeing in support. Um, talk some Windows 11 um, and then talk about some like recent changes just within our company and like the growth yeah. that we're seeing and how that affects, you know, support is what I'm hoping to get through today. So right on. Yeah. So um actually I think that'd be a good place to start. So um how how has support been um both with the growth and then also like whatever sort of trending topics uh, have you guys been seeing lately? Yeah. Um it's been, you know, pretty busy in general for for tech support and that's that's typically how it goes. There'll be spikes and there'll be lulls. Uh with the announcement of Windows 11, we a lot of people are very <laughs> excited about that. Um that's that's generated quite a bit of inquiries and kind of confusion and questions in general. Sure. Um and then we've had a a pretty big spike just from our company in demand and so we've increased our cool. output of systems in general over the past year or so. Um and so we're seeing more systems in the field, which will in turn, you know, create more, uh, more questions and tickets and, and issues with systems in general too. So, uh, we're seeing good growth all around, but we're hiring on a lot of more, a lot, a lot of new people. And so, you know, getting to see the new faces and, and work with them has been a lot of fun so far too. So it's, uh, it's, it's been a joy. Yay. Oh, that's good. Uh, before, before we go a little further, I'm curious, what, what tends to be the, I guess, average turnaround from like, I have a problem to my problem is solved. Yeah, it's 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 pretty varied. Um, our our goal is to solve those requests within seven business days as an average, but okay. that includes everything from like the more complex, you know, CPU replacement issues that take a while, you know, for us to send a, a, a processor, replace that in the field or or something along those lines. And then also just like a, a, a quick question that we can answer within, you know, two minutes, you know, at the yeah. same time. So uh, it, it varies quite a quite a bit, but um uh, our average, if you like, include everything, including you know systems that come in for repair and stuff, we're we're seeing about like six six days or so, six business days. So wow, pretty pretty nice. good turnaround time if you include everything. Nice, that's good. Yeah. yeah. And and do you guys have a um kind of a, a hard line uh for response time? Like if you get a, I know a call is going to be, oh, excuse me. <laughs> uh, I know a call obviously will be probably handled almost immediately, but say like an email. Um, do you guys have kind of a hard line to draw in response time for that? Yeah, uh, that's one business hour 
for us as well. You know, regardless, we try to be right on the right on the gun with those, um, mm-hmm. not leave you waiting. Uh, and also to our, our initial response isn't like, hey, we've received your request and we're looking into it. We often, <laughs> you know, when we do get huge spikes, we will, you know, at least let you know that we've received the request to make some kind of um you know, statement about that. But for the most part, we are good about actually giving you stuff to start with or what to check first or ask some initial questions. That's actually going to get us closer to a resolution instead of just like, Hey, we've received your ticket. So cool. That's good good to hear. Cause uh, I see, I see differing uh, ways of handling those sorts of things when I poke around on, on, uh, you know, different forums and such. At least for the experience that we want to provide, you know, just kind of uh, lost words or, or or just an email to send an email um, doesn't really if, if we're not pushing the ball forward to a resolution, it's it's it's, it's kind of a waste of our time and like you know the the customer's time if we're just sending kind of uh, text and information that's not really helping anything. So we try to you know really stick and and provide something that's going to get the ball rolling. So yeah, nice, right on. So um, with things, with things, oh man, we've had all kinds of like driver updates and software things and stuff. What have, what have you guys been uh, tackling lately? Yeah, recently we've seen um, a number of machine check exception BSODs uh, on a lot of like 3000 and 5000 series Ryzen CPUs. Oh. So uh, if you're often into to listen in and um, or like watching this retroactively to uh, we're seeing a lot of just like crashes and that that'll happen when the system's idle most of the time. So just, That's weird. you know, when you step away and it, it, it appears more random, like well, a lot of these the initial requests that were coming out where we're, we're running like CPO stress tests with the, the client in the field and we're not able to reproduce. It just seems to be more, you know, when the system's idle or they they've left it overnight or they step away for, for lunch and come back and it's, it's crashed with the blue screen. Um, Weird. And then another symptom to look out for on, on this specific issue is is waylogger events will appear in the system or the event viewer. So, mm-hmm. and that's W W H E A, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So, um, yeah. Look, if if you happen to have any kind of trends or, or you know your symptoms match that, the the resolutions that we found have been um, BIOS updates for your motherboard. So there's been a lot of firmware related fixes, uh, and then uh, even as far as like CPU replacements on on yeah. several of those tickets. So okay, and any 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 idea what what it is that's actually causing it? Um, not, not exactly. It doesn't seem to be like power limits or anything like that in the BIOS. Um, honestly, just like CPU motherboard interaction and it's hard to trace it exactly to, to what's causing it. But if there is a newer BIOS version and you're getting these same symptoms, um, we typically don't, you know, jump straight to a BIOS like flash as, as most fixes, but, um, and in these scenarios we have been successful with flashing up if there's a newer Hmm. release. So. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's good. At least it yeah. seems most of the time a pretty simple fix. That That's nothing too harsh. True. Yeah. And if the BIOS flash doesn't work, then it's a good idea to, to look at a CPU replacement. Um, hopefully it's a new part that's still in, under warranty and you can just get it swapped out quickly too. So. Okay, cool. <laughs> Yeah, the other um, kind of issues that we're seeing, um, still seeing a lot of the 30 series video cards, uh, the beeping noise. So I don't know if you've experienced that yourself, Houston, but they have this this speaker like on the video card um, directly, just similar to like a, a speaker on a motherboard that'll that'll give you kind of error codes and debugging codes. And um, where we've we've had a trend too, where if the the motherboard uh, or the BIOS is set to like legacy and MBR, mm-hmm. um, then and it'll trigger like a beep code from the video card saying 
um, just saying like, hey, like I'm I'm used to UEFI. Can you switch me over to UEFI? And so it'll give like a three to five beep code, uh, and that's caused a lot of like confusion because you know a lot of people think it's coming from the motherboard, and that's oh, sure. a big issue. Um, <laughs> but even with the beeps, they'll the, you know, the system will still post, get into the OS, no problem, and. Um, it's just kind of like a, a warning tone can sometimes be annoying, but sure. uh, it's causing a, a decent amount of confusion too. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had my video card beep at me or, or at least yeah. I wasn't aware that it was a video card beeping. And you probably have your BIOS and stuff set to UEFI and like a lot of like newer systems. It was configured in the last, you know, couple of years, like you're uh, most likely, you know, it's going to be set to UEFI automatically. And so you won't hear the, uh, the beep cause, but a lot of older systems that are upgrading, mm. um, to a 30 series video cards, they, they'll likely get that, that beep code. So, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, again, pretty, pretty easy fix there. So it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Not too bad. If, if you do have, let's say, you know, you're running like a, an MBR or legacy installed, like windows 10 version. Mm-hmm. Um, there is ways to like actually convert that Sweet. to a UEFI install I without having have... to. What's up? We have uh, articles about that, don't we? Yep, exactly. We have an article that converts from um, MBR to, to, to UEFI or, or MBR to GPT. And that'll let you like change your BIOS to only look for UEF, UEFI bootable devices and then not cause that beep code. So pretty handy. Yeah, here we go. How to convert an MBR disk to GPT in Windows 10 yep. for your operating system disk. Very oh, handy. Cool. Um, and you also get, you know, if it's if it's you, you GPT and UEFI, you get the, the benefit of then enabling like security related functions, which mm. we'll get to a little bit in the Windows 11 conversation. But yeah, uh, yeah the extra security benefits are huge. And so it's, uh, you know, a sought after feature by a lot of people. Yeah. So. The uh, the other kind of issue that we're, we're seeing come up quite a bit is it's specific actually to a uh, a model of of a video card and that's our evga open air cards oh. um have you built with those before um maybe in prior prior versions i haven't played around uh with the 3000 stuff much yeah. Uh, both the 20 series and the 30 series video cards um they're they're great cards they're super quiet mm-hmm. they're um uh, yeah, I mean, great, great performance in general, very reliable, uh, low failure rate and stuff. But they have this little quirk to them where when the fans immediately start to spin up, they'll make like a little kind of grinding noise. And it sounds like eh, really, Ooh. really quick. And that's just a that's only the time where it takes where they spin up. Mm-hmm. Um, so if your workload happens to be where it's very kind of mild and um, it's triggering, you know, enough heat and, and temperatures for the fans to spin up and then it cools off and then it, you know, it's it's it, it spins up again and kind of repeats that back and forth a little bit if you're at that oh. sweet spot of the temperature it can be pretty annoying and so um, we've had quite a bit of customers kind of kind of reach out about that um, and it's not it's not overly intuitive that it's the video card itself it kind of sounds like a, a power supply or something too like some kind of grinding noise or, or from a different fan as well but um, it is from like evga video card models is where we've we've had it okay. we've had it with 20 series cards and 30 series cards now so oh, something to look out for Okay. Uh, the open air cards too. Yeah. Uh, specifically. And so do you guys then have to like, um, I don't know, like mess with the fan curves or something on that. So like it always will just hover at 10% or something. Yeah, exactly. And we worked with NVIDIA earlier to get a, um, a V BIOS flash to, to flash those up. And so the default fan curve would automatically spin up at a very low, uh, you know, margin, but at least it's not having the, the initial like, 
startup and, and stop uh, pattern. And so, yeah, the VBIOS fix for it worked for a while, but we're seeing the pattern emerge again with a 30 series card. So hopefully we can get another, hmm. um, you know, VBIOS flash on that as well. Okay. Uh, or you can manually use, um, you know, like a, an OS video card application uh, like MSI Afterburner, EVGA Precision. There's, there's several of those that you can use to tweak the fan curves and make it default. You know, you can set it to really really low like 10 percent, so it's always spinning and you don't have that initial grinding so okay weird i wonder i wonder if it's just like funny bearings or something i wonder what, what yeah what, i mean what, the, what was doing it the the it probably i mean the cards are very well designed again yeah. the reliability have been awesome the it, once it's spinning it's very quiet it's probably right. one of our quietest cards once once the fans are spinning and under load um but yeah that initial like little tweak gets uh the grinding noise and it's very evident you know when when we get videos coming in it's like oh that's the fan spinning so huh I just have to say that is also a testament to the quiet nature of all of our systems. If that, if you're noticing a tiny little of a, of a fan grind like that over anything else that's going on with the system, like that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. And I will say, you know, most, most workloads and stuff, it'll have the video card constantly, you know, pumping out and chugging. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. It's really the sweet spot of when it's like, say, just a couple office applications or a couple web browsers, email clients open. um, And you have, you know, like, let's say two 4K monitors or something like that hooked up to the video card that's pulling a little bit of of load on it and heating it up. uh, And then it's cooling off and it's going quiet. And then it's, it's heating up and so it goes back and forth. So it is also, you know, um, you won't notice it unless you're hitting that sweet spot of turning off and on for the most part. So, okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah, that's, um, that's pretty much, you know, the main questions that we're seeing, of course, a bunch on, on windows 11 related, um, questions in general. That's the big topic of the, of the month. It seems. Yeah. 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 A lot of, yeah. Well, we can kind of close out with that. I don't know how carried away we'll get and to sure. see what questions come up. But yeah, yeah. You mentioned um, uh, some members on this on our on our social media platforms and stuff reaching out with a couple questions. Yeah, um, kind of just general topics that uh, that I uh, think would be is would be good to just kind of have answer and then um, so we can also share that out uh, elsewhere. Just. Um, I guess we'll just start with kind of the easy one in my mind is what sort of advice would you have for just sort of general stability for your, your workstation? Like how do you, how do you avoid things like, um, well, like blue screens or application crashes and things like that uh, in a general sense. I know we can we can pinpoint why Premiere Pro crashes every time I do 4K and all blah, blah, blah. But like in a general sense, what, what can an average user do to keep their system stable? Yeah. Um, probably the biggest key would be just like controlling that environment for what you're bringing into it. So both like uh, both software applications and the kind of like what you're plugging into it, just be like keen and, and you know, um, just understanding of what you're bringing into the environment. So if you want just a, a workstation that's, you know, solely focused on a couple things, um, you know, like Premiere Pro After Effects, you know, uh, just be careful about what else you're bringing on the system, you know, that, that could not potentially like not play well with them too, if it's running in the background. So um, yeah, biggest thing is probably managing startup 
you know, programs like what you have running when the computer initially launches. Uh, like it's totally acceptable and tons of people do it to have their games, you know, all their Steam clients and everything like that uh, installed on the same computer that they edit on. And that's 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 totally a normal practice. Um, I just would recommend, you know, changing the startup program so they don't launch automatically. So let's say you're, you know, you're your 10 gig update for a game isn't going to happen right in the middle as you're trying to video up, you know, edit. <laughs> if you can control that to, to line up with a, a timeline that works for you, that's, that's going to be big. And like knowing what you have, you know, installed on your system, it, it can be tricky. A lot of the times if you're downloading, you know, free applications, they'll bundle these other services and stuff with it too. Um, and so, you know, take the time to just like stop right there, plug it into Google, ask, you know, a, a tech friend too, if you're not sure yourself, um, really know like what you're installing on your system. Cause that can come and come out of nowhere and run in the background and kind of give you some grief in general. So like McAfee or whatever, getting installed yeah. when I put uh, Adobe reader. Yep. They'll, they'll bundle one, things in. One little check mark you're not paying attention to. And you got all kind of weird. Not that that's like, I mean, it's, it's antivirus order, but other, other softwares will do that sort of thing as well. And that can put some malicious things uh, in the background there. That's yeah, a common one, even like audio related applications. And next thing you know, you don't have any like audio output because it's switched to this new program that you accidentally bundled and with with a different download. So, yeah. Um, also, our, our general recommendation is to run only one antivirus program at a time. Right. Um, occasionally and and probably more often than not, they will kind of fight each other and butt heads. So if you're running like the, the Windows Defender and Security Suite along with, um, you know, Avast or something else like that, if they're doing if they're trying to do the same checks, you know, um, together, sometimes they can fight butt heads, um, especially it's more common with with like two third party antiviruses. So if you get like a vast and McAfee, for example, like you were saying, uh, or McAfee, if those are fighting with each other, um, that's going to slow down your system. And sometimes they'll try to, you know, override and even delete each other. And that can cause quite a bit of grief. So, yeah. And I don't know about what our uh, uh, well, actually, I do think I know our official stance, but I feel like generally you're pretty good with just Windows Defender, right? Correct. Yeah. If you're if you're running the Windows Security Center and, and Defender and, you know, um, all of that's up to date and you're keeping on top of it and it's 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 pretty hard. Like they'll it'll give you good notifications and flag red and stuff if there are issues, um, making sure that you have a firewall and everything enabled and running. Uh, if that's all up, then uh, for the most part, yeah, you're totally fine. You don't need to get a third party application. You don't need to spend, you know. $30 a month, anything like that for, for antivirus anymore. Oh, uh, I'll also say though, if you've been comfortable, you know, using a vast or something like that in the past, um, and you haven't had any problems with it and you prefer, you know, the UI design and the updates that you get from it. Um, it's no problem keeping it going. Like if everything's been stable and working well, and you know, uh, you prefer that application there, there's also nothing wrong with it. So I don't want to bash any kind of third party, um, you know, antivirus at the same time too. So right on, right on. Um, I'd also, a, oh, I'd, oh, if you go want to do the questions, I can, yeah, I can well, also come back to this one. Cause, uh, the, the one, uh, Julius, uh, is asking about GPU prices and stuff. We, we can't really comment too much on that. We don't, you know, everybody's kind of in the same boat when it comes to GPU prices. Like, yeah. 
yeah, we're hope. I mean, hopefully it gets better. Um, I'm a little bit out of, of my zone of expertise for sure, coming from technical support advice, but I do know a lot of activities that are happen happening overseas in China and stuff, like cracking down on on cryptocurrency mining and having different like firmware implementations directly into the video cards and stuff changing. Uh, will hopefully you know make less of those cards go into the big big mining you know companies and get more into the you know the general public and into other people's hands. So hopefully we see a turn for better pricing and availability on video cards but it's so hard to predict yeah yeah and then uh tyler per year was uh, asking about what to anticipate from the new intel 12th gen this year worth waiting to see what they announce good question i i actually don't know much on that yet um i always get my information a little bit as it trickles down so i wait to um get the, the information from our labs and our, our product qualification team so i rely on them for that information i i haven't heard much on them much on it yet but um yeah i, I do wait for their kind of expertise and, and their advice before learning too much and a, a question from Twitch, Deddy, uh, a gentleman I actually know in my personal life. Uh, he's curious about your background in terms of support, education, oh, nice. certificates. Yeah. Um, so I I have a bachelor's degree in business administration, and I've um, as well as a concentration in computer science. Like the majority of my classes were computer and tech related, a lot of programming, um, IT related courses. Um, and I done a lot of like mobile support with phones. So I worked at Cricket Wireless. I worked at Target Mobile. Um, I even did Target Electronics for a while. I wouldn't really count that as too like <laughs> tech focused or anything. It was sure. it was interesting. Black Fridays were were always fun. Um, but yeah, I've uh, I've got my my A plus CompTIA certification. That's a good just general background to to know um, a lot and get a dip into you know printers and and monitors and connections and protocols um it gives you a good good kind of taste and background of that uh and i've been with puget systems now for four years so uh you do you you learn a lot pretty quickly is just you know just troubleshooting and, and diagnosing computers every day uh you, you pick up quite a bit in that too yeah more oh it sounds a more hands-on experience yeah, yeah, definitely hands-on. Um, I will say, as, as far as like the the tech the tech part goes, it's it's generally the the easier part to build up is like the tech knowledge. You know, you can get certifications and do um, you know programs. It's it's the a lot of the 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 customer interaction, the relationship building, that type of stuff. That's 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 probably a little harder to build up, in all honesty. But it's 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 very important. So. Um, yeah, I've got a couple other um, suggestions too for you know maintaining a stable, trouble-free you know environment. I think that's a, a great question and something that you know I hope people are, are pretty proactive about in general. Um, but besides you know controlling the the software application, seeing what you have run on startup, um, only using one antivirus if you can, uh, but unplugging any like peripheral devices that you're not actively using. So if you have, you know, extra, extra external USB drives, you know, hanging around, you normally keep them plugged in, but you, you know, you only use them say once a month, uh, go ahead and remove them. Uh, you know, your system's still sending power to them, still trying to interact with it, still available. Uh, and that can cause, you know, some issues here and there. Um, external drives too, in general, when the during just like initial boot up of the system, sometimes your system will be like, oh, what's this? Can I boot to it? Is there an OS on here? And kind of like halt the system in that 
methodology too. So uh, just yeah. to, if you're not using the peripherals, like go ahead and unplug them, leave them aside. If it's not too much work, you know, to plug them in when you do want to use it and say you do a monthly system image or you create a monthly backup, um, just plug it in during that time would be, you know, our recommendation. Yeah. Especially that boot issue uh, in the past that has caused me a great deal of anxiety. Like why uh, it'll just be black screen with just a blinking cursor. And it's like, why, why am I not booting? It was just fine. And, and you pull the USB. Usually it's like a thumb drive that'd do it and pull the thumb drive out and poof, it works just fine. And so that'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you have like all the bio settings set correctly, you know, that it's set to, to detect the primary OS drive and stuff, it it can still get confused. So just keep them unplugged. (laughs) Um, the, The next one, you could probably guess this, Houston, but um, pausing and I would say pausing Windows updates appropriately. So you don't want to like pause them indefinitely, um, especially if you're, you know, if you're like a, a content creation user and you you rely mm-hmm. on like Premiere Pro and you're updating like Premiere Pro, um, you know, constantly as part of your workflow, you'll probably need to get Windows updates, you know, to a certain point as well. You could be mm-hmm. missing like uh, .NET and like framework files and 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 services and stuff to be running in some of those Windows updates. So I would say like pause it appropriately if you're in the middle of a project or something like that. Um, you know, it's okay to pause it until you finish the project, get your deliverable ready to go off to where it needs to go next, and then initialize those updates too. Because it's there's been several tickets and, and requests come through after a bad update, you know, hurting the, the system files and, um, you know, not able to boot the system after update. So it's better to be safe than sorry. Uh, so, you know, you control when you're, when you're doing the windows updates, don't leave them off indefinitely. Um, unless, you know, that is, that is okay for your environment and specific, you know, if you're using like antiquated software or something like that, that you don't need to constantly update, like it's okay to have an environment that's completely unplugged from the network and all you do is your application and you plug in the network only to send your deliverables and stuff like that too so yeah yeah right on uh, and then control kind of in the same vein, but control when you're, uh, if you do have automatic backup set up, control like oh. when those are happening. Um, yeah. If you don't really want a backup happening in the middle of, you know, while you're editing and it's taking <laughs> you know, quite a bit of system resources and, and using an external drive and trying to communicate that, that with that at the same time. So definitely still do your backups. Just set those right. times. If you're using a specific software or service, just set those times to where it's like away from your workflow. Yeah. So smart smart yeah Yeah. that's uh that'll get you a a trouble-free operating system and environment uh well hopefully for the most part i mean you can only control as as much as you can do you know there are issues that come up so again having those backups having those system images that you can revert to you know a worst case scenario is always you know important too yeah i feel like that's one people miss a lot they um until something bad happens, uh, backing up, you know, your, your system and, and especially like important files or documents, things like that. Um, it, that does seem to be something that it's like, it's like one of those things like, you know, you should do, but then it's like, you just kind of like forget or like, Oh, I'll do it later or something like that. And really like just set it up to do it automatically, you know, at two in the morning, every Sunday or something. And, and then you don't have to think about it. It'll just do it. It's fine. It works. And you're, you're safe. You're, you're worry-free if you do get caught in a really, you know, unfortunate situation. Uh, we always recommend for the really critical, you know, like, Hey, my business relies on this type files or important project files, like having that, that, 
that data in three different places. So um, installed, and if you're currently working on a project, you know, on the system itself, um, somewhere in your house that's or, or work office or workspace that's like removable. So if you have a server there that you can save it to uh, or an external drive or something like that. And then also like in the cloud or elsewhere, you know, either on like a big data data server or something elsewhere that's away from your house too to you yeah. know protect from any kind of fires or you know catastrophic landslides or anything like that at your office or house too but having the data in three separate locations will be uh, best for the the real critical information that you need yeah i I, I kind of like this question because I feel like this is a good one. Julius uh, on YouTube he asks, um, can dust cause component damage other than heating issues? Like can it damage an internal hard drive or SSD? Yeah, there's a lot of different types of dust. And that depends, too, on like where your system is at and like what kind of environment it's in. Like you should see some of these systems uh, and that we get in repair, too. We can tell like like where they're located or where they're coming from. Like if they're next to, you know, say like salt deposits or something like that, like that dust is actually can cause uh, quite a bit of damage to internal components. Um, and it's more of like a whitey white dust, almost like a, a very light gray or white type dust. Um, mm -hmm. And that, yeah, that that's been known to like actually cause and like fry components because it still has some Ooh. salt in it. And that's not going to be good on like, you know, capacitors and resistors. Sure. Um, so, it, it, I mean, it depends a little bit on what type of dust and what where your environment's at in general. Mm -hmm. Um, it's always a good idea to elevate your system off the floor. Uh, make sure you're dusting it out. You know, it, it, try to do it monthly uh, if you can. But, you know, most people, even every other month or, or at the very least once a quarter, just get it completely dusted out, blow it all out from your system. It's always, always a good practice. Yeah. All right, and then the the big topic of of the of the day, uh, Tyler would like us to talk about what do y'all think of Windows 11's TPM <laughs> requirement? And so, rather than directly answering that question as a as an opinion piece, because um, it's an opinion, um, let's just jump into the the whole overall topic of Windows 11 and its and its requirements and all that stuff. Yeah, um, it's a good question in general, and it's. You know, I will say just to, to quickly answer Tyler's question, I would say um, it's it's good. I mean, it's more security at the very least. The where it does hurt some people is uh, is with like older hardware that don't have TPM 2.0 uh, compatibility, either you know through their CPU firmware or like on their motherboard itself. So it's a little bit of unfortunate news for them if they have to get new hardware to use Windows 11. I could see the argument against that, but overall, like more security is is typically better. Um, you know, less less risk of your of, of hacks of, of of people you know booting malicious software on your system. So um, yeah, that's typically a good thing, I would say. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Windows 11 kind of came a little bit out of the blue. Um, yeah. I was uh, it was one of the first days of my vacation when I like left for like oh, the no. big announcement and stuff, and so I felt a little bit bad for my team having to field quite a bit of you know initial requests, um, but they were awesome. Uh, even Chad in our department put together a quick like TPM related article right away to, to help advise on a lot of those requests that were coming through, which is great. Uh, but yeah, Microsoft had previously stated that, you know, Windows 10 is going to be a live service and it will, you know, live on for, I, I guess they didn't give a timeline, but they did make it sound at least like indefinitely. 
uh, for the most part right. in a lot of their talks and a lot of releases, um, and that they wouldn't have a successor. You know, it would continue to get you know live service updates, but looks like things change uh, with the leaks and you know what's been demoed and shown so far. Um, but yeah, Windows 11, it's 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 focused on a lot of security improvements, um, some good features for gaming, which is nice, uh, more intuitive U- UI. Uh, you know, one of my favorite features so far that's been leaked is you can, you know, uh, you dock your laptop, unplug the monitors to it, walk around, come back, plug back in your your monitor, your laptop, and it will remember kind of the orientation of where you had all those apps and stuff, which is which is going to be really that's, nice. Yeah, that's a pretty big kind of complain and gripe from a, a lot of people that that need to kind of move their system around or kind of um, unplug different monitors for their workflow. Um, so that, that feature I'm expect, especially excited for. So that'll be nice because I, I switch between I have KVM and I go between my personal and work machine and and I have that issue all the time. Everything, all of yep. my windows when I come back, will try and go back to the, the main monitor and then I have to drag everything back up to the other one and, and remix everything. So it'll be nice. It'll that that's just quality of life would be nice yeah that's a it's surprising that's a pretty big request that we get in general um if you have like a quadro card you can actually set up specific like ids uh or like display ids and get it to to recognize you know what monitors are plugged in where and have the system even recognize monitors without them being plugged in but a lot of people don't have quadro cards so it's uh it's a just nice quality of life for everybody honestly um, yeah, I mean, getting more into Windows 11, we can we can break it down. Um, we've released some some new articles actually that just launched today that'll help describe yeah. go into some of the TPM requirements, some of the features and stuff like that. So uh, I can go ahead and share my screen and talk through some of those. Yeah, let's do that. I have a there's a blower around right now, so I'm going to be kind of in and out muting. Oh, like a like a leaf blower or? Yeah, I have new constructions happening right across the street from me, and uh, I feel like, well, actually, my noise gate's catching a lot of it, so it's okay. But if if I if I have to, I may I may just be like, uh. <laughs> just a lot of big facial features. All right, All right so here we go. What's um, new? We'll add this. Oh, hey, look, that's me. Cool. That's you and me. Go ahead. I'll put away all my cheat sheet notes and expand this. Whoa. Oh, yes. Sorry. There we go. A dream within a dream. That was like some inception stuff. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Quickly, I'll recap quickly. I was going to show the the EVGA kind of the the fan bearings and stuff like that oh, that we were yeah. talking about before causing okay. the the noise. But these are the the open air cards, um, and they're again they're great fans, like high quality. You know, great. They're they're like hard plastic, uh, very mm-hmm. quiet, but they they just make a little like grinding noise as they're they're starting up. So interesting. Mm. Um, okay. Well, we launched two articles today. Um, this one is kind of a uh, a feature related article from uh, that that Chad put together, and this one goes over um, just a lot of the exciting features to look out for. So yeah. Uh, an introduction right. on what's happening with it. Oops. Mm-hmm. Up oh, I, was just, um, I have posted links to the two newest articles in the chat. Nice. Um, yeah, get get some eyes and attention on them. So yeah, the, this feature articles, it's pretty exciting. It gives kind of just a little taste of like what Windows is going to look like, um, a, a different 
taskbar, a uh, change to the way tiles are being used. They, they haven't been the most popular thing since Windows 8, as you know, Microsoft tried to make those part of more of their, um, I don't know, as, as far as, as their initial kind of workflow within Windows, and they want you to like save all your applications to different tiles and launch them that way. Hasn't caught on to a bunch of people, so they're, they're kind of redesigning that. Okay. Uh, big push to the rounded corners. Seen some some interesting yeah. YouTube analyzing of that. Um, Cortana's changed a little bit. She's now like a dedicated application instead of being um, kind of built into your search bar and a lot of like the nice. start menu features. Big use of widgets, um, application support, things like, you know, Android, native Android support is going to be really nice. That'll um, be interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I personally haven't had any hands-on with Windows 11. I haven't done the the leaked version or anything like that. But so far, like the initial reviews that I've that I've seen and heard about have been pretty promising and, and exciting. <laughs> um, you know, it's 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 interesting thinking that you're going to be on Windows 10 for a lot longer and then get the news dropping that, hey, there here's Windows 11. It's going to be an update that you could update directly from Windows 10. Um, we have had issues on that in the past, like moving from like Windows 7 to 10, uh, mm -hmm. even 7 to 8 and stuff. Uh, Microsoft will all, often carry over like a, a Windows.old file and oh, with yeah. a lot of like old system files um, and data. And that's kind of been known to cause some issues for us in general. So we're going to definitely test and see how the update process works directly going from Windows 10 to uh, Windows 11. But um, our recommendation in the past has actually been to do a clean installation and, and completely wipe that drive and install Windows 11 or Windows 10 when it came out, you know, from scratch. So we'll see. Hopefully it's completely stable and we don't run into issues just doing the update method because I know a lot of people prefer that without having to delete all their data, back that up yeah. for the installation in general. So. Oh, and, it, and from what I have seen, it does it does seem like this isn't really a new this isn't a new operating system. They're not, they haven't like, this isn't like a big kernel update or anything. I feel like this is more just kind of a name change to keep up with, um, with Apple. Cause Mac, Mac OS just had an update out of OS X to 11. And I feel like this kind of is more just for show almost. Yeah. It, I mean, there is quite a bit of like copying or emulating a lot of like Mac related updates and even features in general, you know, rounded tiles and, mm -hmm. and all the of that taskbar. Yeah. So I, yeah, definitely it could just be a marketing ploy to, to help capture a lot of the UI and aesthetics. That's like Apple as, as has been known for. Um, but I mean, there is some significant changes like the security changes, for example, and, right. and the requirements for that. So um, it is, it's probably somewhere in between where it's not like a complete brand new operating system, but it's also not even, you know, it's, it's a lot more than just a, a major feature update, for example, like there's sure. a, there's a lot going on with, with windows 11. So. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, overall, I mean, you know, take your time, read through this. We'll, we'll be, of course, adding adding to this as we get some hands-on with it. We'll be installing it, you know, um, when we can on, on builds in-house and doing some testing. Uh, I'm sure we'll do some performance testing, too, and labs. There's supposed to be some different, like, power core functionality and some, like, promising features that, that might even help a lot of our, our content-created applications and engineering Ooh. applications and stuff like that, too. So we'll see. It could all just be talk and not really any numbers or any performance gains um but you know we'll we'll be sure to validate it nonetheless yeah so. right on. 
Um, this other article here um, is one I put together. This one is is will hopefully answer a lot of the questions that we've been seeing in support on um, like, hey, how do, how do I prepare for Windows 11? It's it's coming out. We've we've seen the teasers. We've seen a lot of information about it. Um, is my system supported for Windows 11? Do I have TPM? Right. Like like how do I how do I check? How do I prepare? Mm-hmm. Um, and so a, a lot of this information could be subject to change, but there's been enough um, enough reporting and enough you know at least concrete information for us to get um, an article together that should help educate, you know, the majority of the people asking themselves those questions that I just kind of listed off. So, yeah. Um, the first thing is like the hardware compatibility in general, like like system requirements, four gigs of RAM, 64 gig storage, um, and then DirectX 12 supported GPU. So uh, most people will at least have those those requirements, even systems 10 years old dating all the way back there so as far as like the the initial system requirements for like all the other hardware um most people will have that it's really the 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 kind of cpu related uh hardware compatibility requirements that are going to cut a lot of people off unfortunately right so so for intel cpus you need an eighth gen or newer uh, and then amd you need like ryzen the the 2000 series or newer cpus and okay. then we, okay. we don't get a whole lot of Qualcomm CPUs too, but it's the the Snapdragon kind of seven Cs, or or newer than that too. So like the mobile mobile CPUs. Right. And um, I, I may be jumping ahead of of what you're about to talk about. So are you gonna need? Are you going to need as things stand now? Are you going to need the little? Discrete little TPM chip. I've heard talk of some CPUs have like a built in thing already and that you just kind of have to turn it on can you elaborate yeah yeah um we can even jump ahead to that if you'd like oh oh, that was part of this okay i i I admit i hadn't scrubbed through this article ahead of time you're you're slacking um well well, it was like it just came out this morning (laughs) that's true it did um no so so what you're talking about is exactly right a lot of people that have a, a recent computer within the last you know couple years even like three to four years um will most likely have like a tpm 2.0 requirement into the end of their cpu whether that's like intel's version which is called ptt or or amd's version which is like ftpm um and so you don't necessarily need a dedicated hardware tpm module on your motherboard okay. if it's if it's built into your cpu and your cpu is compatible um then then you can actually just enable it directly through the BIOS for the for the TPM requirements. So. Oh, cool! And how how would I know? Yeah, um, it will depend a little bit. Like this article here, another one that it kind of links to. Um, you'll be checking for you know there, there's a list of um, what Intel processors have uh, PTT as well as like AMD's that have FTPM, but. Um, okay. A general rule of thumb, yeah, is within the last like three to four years. Um, three would would probably be safest to say the last like three years will have um, firmware CPU related um, uh, TPM access. Okay, so. Uh, you can always check your specific processor. Uh, well, one, if you if you're a Puget System owner, just just reach out, ask us. We'll let you know right away. Uh, you can also just look at the specs of your of your processor directly, uh, and it'll list like Intel's page or AMD's page whether it has um, TPO TPM 2.0 requirements or not. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah. So hardware compatibility. Yeah. What what you know the system requirements as far as the um, 
you know, RAM storage and stuff aren't, aren't that intense, but it's, it's really the processors that need to be updated. There's also a tool. Windows did have a tool themselves uh, that they released, but there was quite a bit of bugs with it, and there's there's a decent amount of backlash on it, so they they pulled it pretty quickly. Uh, but there's a an awesome one called Why Not Win Eleven um, that was a that put together as kind of a a, a project. Um, and so you can download that and run that. It's it's worked out pretty well. A lot of people, you know, it's very informative. Tells you exactly what you need to enable uh, if it's detected. Um, yeah, information on how to run that. It's very simple. Just downloaded the the latest latest stable release and run the application. It's very cool. very easy to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess dating back a little bit and just looking at like, hey, how can I re- prepare my system for Windows 11? Uh, first thing would be, you know, checking hardware compatibility, making sure that it's it's ready to go. Um, you can use this tool to help you. Why not Win 11? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, next step is pretty important in kind of all major operating system changes, but that's just backing up sensitive data. I mean, we talked about this earlier, Smart. making sure that before doing any kind of major update or change that you just have this, uh, you know, have important critical documents documents, pictures, videos, project files, anything like that saved elsewhere. You, you don't you just don't want to risk it if there were, you know, an issue during the update process, especially if you're like a first adopter or trying to update right away. Um, just take the time back up back up your information. Don't don't get yourself into trouble if you if you're like, oh shoot, where was that video file that I need to send to my boss in two weeks that I, I spent the last month working on? Don't don't be caught in that scenario. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, next step is to check what I talked, what we talked a little bit about earlier too was, you know, is your disk MBR or GPT and how to how to check that. Um, and then, you know, making sure that your system is in like UEFI and booting to like a UEFI uh, device as part of like the OS. So mm-hmm. this tells you how to check that, what, what partition style, you know, your OS drive is. Um, and then we have an article like we just talked about how, about how to change it. So don't panic too much if you, you know, you're like, oh no, I have an MBR or MBR um, drive, don't worry about it. There is a way um, to change that with commands without having to, to fully reinstall your operating system. So Nice. Very handy. Uh, and then what we talked about, enabling TPM, that's going to be kind of one of the next next steps for you too. And, and it needs to be TPM 2.0. That is the requirement for Windows 11 that, that's come out so far. Okay. Uh, again, all this information is subject to change. So it could, right. you know, they could increase compatibility. They could even decrease it. Just say, oh, no, actually, just the last two years. I don't think they do the latter. I think, if anything, they will make it um, more available for even older platforms. But, yeah, I would think so. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there's a, a direct article here. This is one of one of the kind of initial articles that we released right away as soon as the information about Windows 11 came out because a lot of people were wondering like, oh shoot, like I need a TPM. How am I going to be able to to run Windows 11? Um, and so yeah, this goes through like first thing is you don't have to have a, a dedicated TPM module uh, for TPM 2.0. It's built into a lot of a lot of CPUs um, in the firmware itself. So uh, double check that before you go. I mean. And TPM modules in general are not that expensive, um, but availability can be a little uh, tricky sometimes too. So, but if you can't enable it just within your BIOS and, and firmware, like do that first, um, depending on your preference in general. But. Uh, secure boot is the next one. So another security related, um, you know, requirement for Windows 11 to run. And that's a 
uh, a, a pretty big security requirement in general. This, I mean, Secure View has been around for a long time, um, but it's 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 just to help against like unwanted devices like booting on your system. So you you couldn't have somebody just plug in some malware, you know, drive into your system and 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 launch it and kind of corrupt your system. It, the 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 computer won't boot to it. It'll say no. I'm looking for a specific you know Windows drive. I'm only going to boot to that. Um, and it's and it, it'll be very particular and uh, what it's detecting and booting to. So okay. this article goes in. We have a, a a very detailed article that explains a lot more about Secure Boot. Um, what it what how to enable it on, on your system what to look what to look for um and so yeah this 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 article too for more information is great but um at least there's a, a little tidbit in here about like what secure boot is and and how to enable it uh just in the windows 11 article so okay yeah. grab some screenshots from some of our popular motherboard lines too just to show kind of what you need to do disable csm um and then find the secure boot setting and 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 enable it and make sure it's good to go so awesome that is, it seems pretty pretty straightforward a little little it might be a little confusing or scary if you've never done this sort of thing before but it it's uh it, it doesn't look like anything that really you're gonna screw up or, or destroy anything if if you're trying to do this just follow along and you'll be good yeah again always do the backup uh which is why that's uh that's said a little bit earlier in the article just in case but <laughs> yeah yeah and of course again if you're a puget system workstation owner and you're listening to this uh just just call into the support team or email in uh we'd be happy to walk you through these settings if your system's not already set for it um all of our systems as of july have all of these um bio settings already enabled good to go out of the box so if you do get uh, a system from us from like now onward before the release of windows 11 um they will be ready like windows 11 ready essentially where you won't have to change any bio settings you can just get ready for the upgrade process in general so cool this next section is also really important just like what if what if your puget workstation is not supported with windows 11 well don't panic there's still going to be windows 10 support through 2025 like october 2025 too so that's several years you don't yeah. need to you know if your system doesn't support tpm 2.0 or secure boot or anything like that like don't don't worry about it you can still run on windows windows 10 um you know you can evaluate later you know whether your budgets if it's time to update like all your hardware in general for for windows 11 or if the performance gains that are coming out you know as people are testing gaming between windows 10 and 11 as those numbers mm. start to come out you know you can weigh that in your mind if like oh hey it is time for me to update uh, as well as like content creation applications engineering applications and everything if you see you know publications from us saying like hey the performance gain you you know, you get a lot more out of Windows 11. They're 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 changing the way core interaction is with these applications. It's great if you if you see information like that that plays into your decision on getting new hardware. Then um, then sure, but when it first releases, no no need to panic. Like take your time updating. Uh, it's it's totally like on your calendar. So yeah. Now have they have they been really specific about what support? Like is this is this EOL kind of no more security updates, no nothing after October? Have they been very specific about what sort of support is stopping? Because I know like they kind of slowly stopped Windows 7. Um, 
And yeah, then... it'll it'll probably be the same type of um, stoppage that they did with Windows 7, I'd assume. So they'll keep feature updates for, you know, maybe like a year more or so or, or maybe two years or, or whatever. But then they'll stop security updates uh, by October 2025. So that's okay. where if you're not getting security updates, um, like you, you most likely don't want to be on that operating system. Like you want to upgrade your hardware then and there. Um, yeah. So, so it, that, it, that is the hard line in the sand, October 25. Correct. EOL. Yeah. Okay. There is still um, like different companies and stuff that, that that's all like third party that you can pay to create security patches for your system. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's typically, you know, larger organizations and, and corporations and stuff will look into that. That's that's typically not for just, you know, general users. Um, that, that's mostly for like big businesses that really rely on Windows 10 in this example, because uh, there's still people on Windows 7, but that do have security patches. They just have to pay separately for it. So oh, that's interesting. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's, so you don't have to update if you you know if you have the proper precautions set in place. But uh, the biggest thing is like you know don't worry about being a first adopter. You can take your time with this update. You know, let the kinks get worked out, let the bugs get found, um, let like the improvements get get published. Um, you know, take take your time on it. Make sure it's like good for your workflow. Like wait wait for that weekend, say in like November or something, if you're really excited for Windows 11. But you know, all your projects are submitted. You've got the weekend to transition over, get used to it, and then get your applications reinstalled and 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 get going. So nice. Yeah, I mean, in the in the coming months, it's still only you know the middle of July or the beginning of July. So um, you know, ex expect more information to to come out, more testing to be done. Um, our support team will definitely keep up to date with uh, any any major changes or anything that's going to affect our, our workstation users. Um, so we'll we'll make sure that's public knowledge. We'll write articles if it's necessary. Um, but we just want this transition to be like as smooth as it can be for uh, for everybody in general. So. Um, this might not be, uh, your wheelhouse, but do you know if, um, labs will be doing like side-by-side -side comparisons? Um, I don't know yet. I was actually going to ask, um, Matt that later, but I, okay. I, I'd, I'd guess so. It seems worthwhile, at least from the information that I've got about like, like changes to, to core power utilization and stuff like that. It might be worthwhile at least seeing if there's anything into it or if it's just kind of all talk and it's maybe it's, it's gaming only if it's, sure. if it's only affecting, you know, gaming app, like gaming performance, that's, that's not really our target audience. So it's not something that yeah. we'd spend time testing for, uh, hmm. but if it can help like after effects, premiere pro, uh, pix 40, you know, that type of stuff, then we'd, yeah. we'd absolutely look into it. Yeah. That'll be interesting, especially combined with something like, um, like multi-frame rendering that's coming mm -hmm. from, Adobe and that on its own is making better use of, you know, high core count CPUs and things like that. And so, um, hmm, yeah, that'll be interesting to see uh, what comes of that. I could save a lot of people time. Yeah. If, if yeah. they're able to improve their workflow speed, you know, by 50% right. or more. So, yeah, that, that actually, that multi-frame rendering thing is, I think going to be big. pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So, Right on. Um, let me see if we missed any questions uh, before. Uh, just opinion piece. Danny would like to know how do you uh, how do you like the visual aesthetics of Windows 11 UI overall? 
Yeah, I mean, so far it's pretty crisp. I'm um, I have a a MacBook as well as a Windows PC, so I go back and forth. And so if they're closer together, it's a little bit you know nicer in my opinion. But yeah, yeah it's the the rounded edges, you know, definitely bring back that Mac Mac vibe and how they do their windows. So yeah, uh, I like it so far. Um, I think it's a little entertaining, you know, that that Microsoft like slowly keeps copying a lot of like what Mac, Mac OS like aesthetics are looking like. So it's uh, it's interesting, it's in- but it's for a reason. It is interesting, though, because XP had a lot of it was a little more cartoony. They had like kind of, you know, gradients and things on buttons and stuff. And it looked kind of their color scheme was a little, like I said, cartoony. But like they had rounded edges on all the windows and stuff, too. And it's it's like a weird mix. Like we we went from this real bleak kind of all this flat UI UX stuff you know all these kind of boring honestly buttons and things uh and now it's like are we going kind of back to a little bit more bubbly and cartoony playful uh ui stuff or what it's like fashion right you know the the trends just rotate every like 20 30 years like we'll see bell bottoms and stuff soon yeah yeah who knows (laughs) uh you know i i think i agree though the the few screenshots and things that i've seen of it it looks um it looks good. Uh, I, I like it. The only thing um, that really kind of bugs me is the the centering of the taskbar thing. Um, but I know that's simple. Flip a switch and it's back to the left. Because uh, I I like how Mac implements it because it it's all right there. And then like it pops up that that sort of like curve sort of deals as you swoop through your apps and things. Uh, I haven't seen if if they're planning on doing something like that with the Windows update, but. Um, yeah, that's that's that to me. That's the biggest separation is how you yeah. interact with the taskbar, and that's that's weird to me. Might take a little bit to get used to. Um, yeah. I I feel like most Windows users, I feel like when they first get to their system and stuff, their mouse is going to be in the bottom left just for out of habit. You know, using the search bar, using that Windows Start button um, yeah. in general. So maybe it'll take you know a little bit, get, bit to get to get used to, but. It's it's handy. It's right in the middle, uh, especially if you're changing. You know, like you have a 4K monitor, and um, you know the a lot of the icons are super small and stuff. If it's centered, sure. it might make it a little easier to click. So yeah, or ultra wide. Yeah, or, or ultra wide. That. Like that could make that could make a big difference there too. Yeah. yeah. Hey, right on. And it'll probably help too when you're unplugging and plugging into monitors, like we talked about. One of the features of like remembering the orientation. Um, mm. Maybe having that centered, you know, if you have your monitor flipped in a, you know, vertical orientation or something like that, having it centered would be easier too. So yeah, well, that'd be. It's cool. I, I don't know. I think mm. I know everybody. A lot of people push against change, and you know, every time Facebook does something different or whatever, and they're like, "Oh, I like it the old way," and then. Three months later, everybody's fine, you know. Um, uh, oh, here's a great question. NPR 1999 on, on Twitch says, hey, Puget Systems just joined. So sorry if this has been spoken about, but has anyone tested Windows 11 and Spectre meltdown issues? Oh, good question. Um, I not, not that we've done yet. I haven't seen if there's any um, anyone in the general public that's tested and like reported about it yet. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, most most of the systems now, like at least the new systems that are being released, like they will have the, um, you know, the latest BIOS like fixes already implemented implemented regardless of you know if the system's on a TPM or anything like that. Yeah. However, there could be you know a new occurrence of like an updated 
you know, meltdown specter that comes back around again. Um, but generally speaking, like the security advancements that are going to be like and re requirements with Windows 11 are going to help with like new threats and new kind of system compromises and, and breaches in general. So nice. And as I was going to say, like, I thought I thought after I don't recall which model series was the big issue, but I thought everything after that had it built in. Yeah, now all the processors and motherboards are going to have that that fix like implemented. Um, yeah. But I mean, there there definitely could be another breach or another you know security flaw found in the future too. Yeah. So it could be an updated but meltdown constant, spectrum. So, constant yeah. uh, leapfrog, right? Every fix and then they, which, they break it and they fix it and they break it. Which meltdown inspector probably was a big like discussion point for you know why Windows 11 pushed so hard on new security requirements in order to to install their operating system. Like they want to control as much as they can as far as like security and, and breaches and and flaws so it's it's probably for the best yeah yeah i think i think it won't be unless it's something new i don't think the it will be a problem we haven't heard or i haven't found too many studies or, or testing done on stability but that's what i'm really hoping for is just like general um you know, like crashing issues and how can you recover to your previous environment? Like, I'd love to see like stability improvements in general with this, with the new update. So that's yeah. what I'm crossing my fingers for. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, we're just about to our hour. Is there anything else you'd like to mention or talk about or anything? Um, yeah, I'll quickly just say uh, with all like the changes that are happening around our, our company, um, we're following a lot of like Washington state's mandates as far as like COVID responsibilities go. And, you know, we're, we're, we're able to now start rotating our, our, our staff and our office team back into, you know, our, our office. And so I'm really excited for that. Uh, since we've grown so much in production, we've had to take over kind of more uh, of like the old support area and stuff. So we're, we're going to be looking at doing shared offices, but uh, it's something I'm super excited to get more like face-to-face -face interaction with my team. And I know a lot of people are the, are, are in the same boat too. So we'll be kind of back in the office soon and, and, you know, able to, to support each other and build relationships that way. It's going to be pretty fun. So. Yeah, man, it's going to be weird. I haven't been, I've only, I think I've been in the office maybe eight, six or eight yeah. times since, since I've had to come home and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. And live streams. I, we were talking a little bit, but hopefully live streams are going to be, you know, like in person, mm -hmm. um, you know, recorded together too. So. Yeah. That'll be nice. That'll yeah. be really cool. Um, and also speaking of that, as we, roll out um uh, there will not be a stream next week um i'm i'm off i'm out and and also it gives an opportunity for us to roll over to our new schedule uh we're moving to wednesdays to better coincide with um our in office days and um just as a better scheduling for our guests and things like that uh so yeah um if there's nothing else ben huh? thanks no? for having right. me yeah thank you for for yeah. taking the time out of the day i know you're a busy guy being the the support boss and also i really appreciate it thank you very much and also thank you to the audience for joining us today i hope this was valuable and uh you guys got in good info out of this and we helped you guys feel a little better about things in the future um I normally say that this is done every Friday, but actually now we are now every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Uh, so mark your calendars for that. Um, we do both internal experts such as Ben and, and our labs guys and things like that uh, to talk about, you know, just their areas of expertise and things like that, but also um, external um, experts and stuff, which um, surprise, you guys get to hear this first Sarah Dietschy. 
uh, July 21st. That is our first Wednesday episode. Sarah Dietschy is going to be joining us. She's a great YouTuber, tech reviewer, videographer, that sort of thing. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so tune in, mark your calendars for that Wednesdays going forward wednesdays 1 p.m pacific right here youtube twitch facebook and um yeah that's it we'll see you later thanks everybody bye thanks guys